HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, a co-working building in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Need a professional place to work from? Learn more by visiting 100bogart.com. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. If you're just tuning in for the first time, all the previous episodes of Feast Your Ears can be found in the archives at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm thankful for listeners like you, and I'd love it if you'd leave me a review wherever you find this podcast. This year is our 10th anniversary here at Heritage Radio Network. That's 10 years of the best food podcasts. We bring you 35 shows a week, so please give us a little something for that. HeritageRadioNetwork.org slash donate. Become a member today. Today's theme, real fruit. It's what's for dinner. At least in the summer, I find that fruit, berries, stone fruit, melons, grapes, pears, apples, they all make it into dinner. And it's now that I'm thinking about the coming of great fruit. We all know that we can get fruit just about every kind, just about any time of year in our modern food system, but that doesn't mean that we should. When fruit is ripe is when you should eat it raw, cook with it, can it for later, enjoy it. I encourage you to think about how you can incorporate fruit into your meals, in salads, in marinades, in mains, in cocktails, not just as an addition to pancakes or as a dessert. Dessert isn't an everyday occurrence in our house, but fruit definitely is. Apples are pretty good through most of the year. They can be picked at the perfect time and stored under nitrogen. That way they don't spoil. Citrus is best in the winter when its growing season is on in California and Florida. Strawberries are best in the spring here in the Northeast. New Jersey blueberries are great in July. In Georgia, peaches are in season from mid-May until about August 1st. My guests today own the Peach Truck, a business in Nashville dedicated to bringing the best, ripest peaches direct from the farm to you. Peaches, unlike many other fruits, can't be off the tree and under refrigeration for long periods of time before getting to market. At the peach truck, they work with farmers who grow 40 varieties of peaches to make sure there's biodiversity, availability throughout the season, and to hedge against crop failure. Stephen and Jessica Rose joined me in my apartment in Brooklyn last week to talk peaches, their new cookbook, and more. I hope you enjoy it. All right, well, thank you guys so much for coming to sit down with me to chat today on your brief stop uh, in New York. Um, So... I'm sitting here today with Jessica and Stephen Rose uh, from Nashville. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you live in Nashville now. You're not both from Nashville. Right. Um, but you guys run the Peach Truck. Tell me about the Peach Truck. Yeah. I mean, the Peach Truck was started in 2012, like 
two days after we got married, we were like, done with the honeymoon, let's go back, <laughs> let's sell these peaches. Steven grew up... Were you planning? I mean, was it wasn't like two days after your honeymoon you decided new business plan, yeah, like yeah. life plan? <laughs> no, it no. was it was a little bit more structured. Yeah, that's <laughs> All right, true. Good. That sounds a little... Yeah, deceiving. <laughs> good, good call. Um, but Stephen grew up in Fort Valley, which is where uh, Georgia got its peach name. Like, uh, uh, Fort okay. Valley is where all the peach farms are, and so he grew up having them. And when I followed him to Nashville um, dating, in our dating life, he was always like, where are the peaches, and you need to have a good peach. So we went down there. I couldn't believe it when I had my first peach. It was so incredible. And... Um, from from there on, it was you know just talking to dear family friends of his who are the farmers, and and they were talking about distribution issues, and we're like, well, we have a problem in Nashville. Let's get peaches up there. And so from from there, it was like, well, we'll bring peaches up a few days after our wedding, and <laughs> it, it all started from there, just nights and weekends. And then eight years later, <laughs> here we are with you in New York, um, and we ship peaches, and we grown the Nashville uh, division where we're at all sorts of markets and yeah and then we fun. tour across oh yeah eight different states a big that's a big part too yeah we tour <laughs> across eight different states selling peaches so it started Stephen with your childhood <clears throat> it did yeah, yeah. and did. you know it, it was that classic like am I nostalgic for my childhood and thought these peaches were amazing and really they were average or, <laughs> you know it, or are they actually good and so yeah, taking Jess down to the farm and her having her first peach, it was it was like, okay, good. She's like, she's getting it, too. And then that first summer, it was nights and weekends, just selling peaches out of our old Jeep pickup truck. And, um, and people were coming back week after week and telling us stories about, I haven't tasted this since I was a kid with my grandpa on the back of the truck. Or sure. this one time, you know, everybody had their one peach story, yeah. but hadn't found it since. And so... We just felt like we were onto something enough to where before the next peach season, we both quit our jobs and said, mm. "Let's see if we can like do this full time, selling peaches." And um, and thankfully, it's it's worked so far. I mean, you know, we live in a we live in a, a time where uh, you know produce gets shipped all over the world, mm-hmm. and right. like I can buy a peach here in Brooklyn in February or today, <laughs> even right. that's not going to be any good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like nine times out of ten, like sure, maybe yeah. once in a while you mm-hmm. have. You know, I mean, I I used to run, we used to run a grocery store, oh, the Brooklyn wow. Kitchen, and we would try and buy only in season, and we'd buy stuff direct as much as possible. You know, now you go to a Whole Foods, which is just a regular old grocery store, essentially, mm-hmm. really hit or miss, right? Yeah. About whether or not the produce you're getting is going to be in season, grown in a place that is sort of like normally grown, right. and hasn't been kind of forced into that. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little yeah. bit about the peach season, right? So what, totally. what is the peach season in Georgia? Mm-hmm. In Georgia, it begins in mid-May, so okay. we're... We're about two weeks into season now, and it ends about the first week of August. Got it. And the big thing with peaches is not just grown in season, of course, it's huge, but time off the tree for peaches. They can't handle that time in refrigeration that a grocery store demands, right. where they're going to different distribution channels and finally make it to you know the store. Well, there's already peaches on the floor, so we'll put these in the back in the cold storage, yeah. and uh, and then finally, you know, three weeks later or a month later. The, the person's getting their peach home and it tastes mealy. Most fruits and vegetables are fine with time off the tree. Peaches just can't handle it. And so for us to get peaches off the tree and into people's hands and do that every day, you know, bringing new peaches yeah. to, to people, it's, it's a logistical nightmare. And, you know, 
we focus on one product, which is why we're able to do it. Where, you know, a normal store has a couple thousand products they're dealing with. They can't focus on the peach, and that's fine. But we, we like to focus on that one thing and do it really, really well. Now, within that one product, I mean, you know, growing up, I grew up in, in the Northeast. I did not grow up in a, on a farm. I didn't grow up, you know, we had a tiny little garden. And, you know, we went to orchards and stuff, and I was very aware of things like apple varietals, right? Right. And in the 80s and 90s, people started to become around like heirloom tomatoes, that there are different kinds of tomatoes. But I still feel like very often, like a peach, people are like, oh, it's a peach, right? Mm-hmm. And the same way people think of a banana as a banana or a mango as a mango, when really... There's hundreds, if not thousands, of different varieties. Totally. I assume, given the length of your season, that it's not the same variety of peach that's ripe today as you'll be distributing at the end of July. Totally. It's 40 different varieties on the farm. Um, We bring probably 15 to 20 of those to market every year. And and you don't – we always tell people don't get stuck on a certain peach variety because year to year, Mother Nature – you know, like the harvester was fantastic last year. I was kind of average this year. So – you grow multiple varieties to be ripe at the same time, so that way you can pick them and and bring the best one to the peach truck and, and get them to customers. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just it's art and science and just um, really pulling a peach off the tree, tasting it, and figuring out which variety is great this year. But um, yeah, you varieties are grown based on their chill hours. So um, peaches that are ready in mid May are probably a four hundred fifty to 500 chill hour peach, which means that variety needs that many hours under 45 degrees in the winter, where uh, in August you grow a 900 hour peach, which that variety needs 900 hours of chill before it starts to wake up and get ready. So you've wow. got this like nice, yeah, it's pretty remarkable and we're always testing new varieties, bringing, you know, this one's doing well in the Northeast, let's try it here. This one's doing well in California, you know, just always... Yeah trying new varieties to to figure out what works great in Georgia. Now, you guys contract with the farms to grow for you, essentially. Ten years ago, Mm -hmm. where were the peaches that they were growing being distributed? To grocery stores. To grocery stores. Yeah. 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 And what what we've done is, you talk about varieties, there's a variety called the Alberta that gave Georgia the peach state name. But it is yellow and hideous (laughs) when ripe. You know, it just is ugly. And if, if, you're at a grocery store and see a bright yellow peach versus a red peach, you're going to buy the red one. Sure. But for us at the peach truck to be able to tell that story and say, no, this is a, this is an heirloom variety. No other farms are growing it. And, and we have it here and it tastes like candy. Um, it's really wonderful to be able to connect the farm back to the end consumer instead of, you know, just the, the stores. Well, and, Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to just tag like what you said about the heirloom tomato, like that movement. We so saw that. I'm like, what? We need to educate people on peaches. And when you, I mean, if we sat, if we were able to take a picture of the May peach all the way through to that August variety, like one peach, it's incredible. The blush color changes Mm. that, that Alberta is hideous. It doesn't (laughs) even look like a peach. It's not even round. It kind of has this weird point. You're like, what is that? Is that a baby mango? Um, It's so strange. But then you have like what we have right now, what we're selling. Spring flame. Spring flame. It's almost plum-like. It's super uh. dark red. And then the last ones are, were like the classic perfect red blush with the yellow. Um, so it's amazing. Yeah, just educating people on the fact that the, the Pearson Farm grows 40. But then all over the country, you know, probably in Jersey here, they've got, you know, their oh, yeah. own... Oh, you know, yeah, hundreds of, of varieties. Yep. So it's a, it's amazing. It's such an incredible thing to, you know, start educating yourself on those 
the history of all these fruits. Well, and, and I think it's so great that you guys are able to be in a position where you're educating people about the different varieties, right? Because we need biodiversity. Yeah. And you're educating people about the flavor as right. being something that's important. And I feel like apples, at least in, in places like New York, because we're such a big apple producing state, or like Washington, where yes. you're from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people are starting to know about varieties, right? You go to the grocery store here and you can buy six, seven, eight varieties of apple mm-hmm. that all taste different and people start to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it should be about flavor, right? That's why we exact the food Mm -hmm. but so much of sales of food because of the world we live in is about the visual right yeah instagram can't taste (laughs) right yeah exactly it's so true it's so true yeah i mean and if it's pretty and tastes good then great but we'll always focus on the taste good over the pretty right Um, (laughs) unfortunately peaches are naturally usually pretty not the alberta but (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what brought you to nashville yeah, I moved there for a job in 2010, um, just a sales job out of college, and um, we quickly fell in love with the city, though. It was smaller, definitely, when we moved there. I mean, the last eight, nine years have been crazy, um, but it felt like a place that was excited about anybody who was going to do something interesting in town. Sure. You know, when we, when we, I mean, obviously, it's known for music and you know, to, to watch people's careers go from the open mic night to, you know, the bigger stage in Nashville to being on TV or whatever, Yeah, you know, that, that was happening in front of us. And when we started talking to chefs about bringing peaches to town, it wasn't just, yeah, that sounds great. It was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let me call my other chef buddies and make sure they know about it. Cause more good ingredients in Nashville means better restaurants, which sure. is good for everybody. You know, there's this sense of there's enough to go around we're not all competing with each other and so we um we just fell in love with the community from the start and uh thankfully there you know it wasn't any we we got to ride this like food movement that lifted up in nashville as well with all these chef-owned restaurants coming to town but um yeah it's been a it's been a fantastic place to to live and you know raise kids over the last four years yeah so let's talk about your kids. So you guys have three kids. Yeah. yeah. All under the age of five. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you have a daughter and you have twin boys who are two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. And yeah. you have a cookbook that's about to come out, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yes. And you have this giant peach business. That yes. is a lot. It is a lot. I, um, I'm like, I spend more time looking at my calendar than I ever have in my entire life. <laughs> like, who's taking what? Like, I think even as we speak, there's like a handoff of like a grandparent giving the kids to a nanny. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's logistically like, wow, this is this is what this is. Okay, this is a lot. But we're, we're getting there day at yeah. a time. <laughs> right? Like, no, no magic. Just day at a time. Now, do your kids like to eat peaches? They do. Okay. They do. Uh, we've taught them well. Like, you have to stay on brand. You guys don't understand. Um, it's really actually so fun. Like, these little kids so completely understand what mom and dad do. Neat. You know, it's just like, they, we've got this uh, Jeep Gladiator 1964 truck that's parked outside. And, I mean, it's literally the peach truck. The, the truck is on our logo. Um, so when Steven pulls it up, because sometimes we don't have enough cars, and I'm like, you have to take the peach truck, which is incredibly hot in the summer and a little... He might die young from the fumes. It's a little brutal. But, you know, he's pulling up in it. I mean, the kids, it's like... 
you know, Mickey Mouse has showed up, like the beach truck, and they're just the, writing this cookbook, and t- I didn't realize we were talking about recipes so much at home, and my daughter Florence, who's four and a half, is showing me, like, Mom, I wrote a recipe too. And oh, neat. It's fun. I, I'm really, like, it's like a side benefit to the simplicity. Like, what does Mommy yeah. and Daddy do? They sell peaches, and right. and everyone gets it, and they feel so a part of it all, which has really been fun. So, I have the book in front of me. Thank yeah. you so much. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Peach Truck Cookbook comes out June 25th. Yes. And will be available wherever books are sold. Exactly. And you can order it off of thepeachtruck.com uh-huh. right now. Totally. Um, so, I, I have a cookbook that I wrote when my kids were younger. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and I always tell people, and I'm, you know, I, I wonder if you guys had the same experience. Everyone told me writing a book was going to be really hard. <laughs> And it was way harder than I <laughs> thought it was going to be, even though I was told by lots of people it would be really hard. Yes. Um, I mean, my son was like 18 months when I was in the thick of it. Oh, dear. And I swear he could hear my laptop open. Like, I would get up at 4 o'clock <laughs> to write because I had no other time oh to write. Gosh, and, you, you know, it's saying he would wake up as soon as I opened the laptop. Did you guys have that kind of experience? Yes. Like, even coming to New York, yes. Like, they know. They just know when they should be sleeping and you need to get something done. <laughs> like, we, trying to get out of the house before they woke up, we're, we don't even need to be at the airport, but we're like, we got to get out of the house before they <laughs> yeah. wake up. And right when my alarm goes off, I hear our little, one of the twins, Wyatt, like, Mommy! I'm like, it's 4.30 a.m. What are you doing? So, I everything you're saying, uh, yes, in every way, it has been... So much harder than we ever thought. The the fact that a cookbook has essays and visually needs to be beautiful. And then you need to have delicious recipes. And then they need to be accurate. And then everything <laughs> needs to be... The tech... Like, yeah. it is an incredible undertaking that when we had the opportunity to... Uh, do this we went in incredibly blind and I'm grateful for that naivety because (laughs) really I don't know if I could have done it um so yeah I think we share that bond because yes incredibly who who did the photography her name's Lisa Johnson she's um out of Minneapolis and she um we met her because we had a a a nice food and wine spread a, a couple years ago and she came down to the farm and shot that and we just connected and um you know, when this project came up, she was she was the first person we thought of to to do it, and she, she did a remarkable job. Such a badass! Like she works so well, and she's become a dear friend. So um, we're we're so grateful. That's awesome. She she crushed it. There's a wonderful photograph in the beginning of the book of your three children uh, in their bathing suits. Uh, wet hair, I assume, from the from the yard eating peaches. That's yes. it. And this is the proper way to eat a peach with our kids because they got to be out front, and then we spray them down because all the juice all over them. You know, it's, yeah, you I mean, can't eat a peach in my house. Like, you're either in the bathtub, it's like right. dessert uh-huh. in the bath, yeah. or you're, we're outside and there's some. I'm a little particular. Yeah. So you know, not coming from a place where there where I know that much about peach varieties, I know that there are freestone peaches and clingstone peaches. Right. Yes, that's good. That's good. Tell me about the difference. And totally. What that really means. Yes. Okay. Well, at the beginning of uh, peach season, May through like towards the end of June. Mid June. Mid June. Um, they're clingstone. So it's not necessarily that that's a variety. It's just what's happening to the varieties oh. leading up to that point. Oh, that is so interesting because yes. I always 
thought that it yeah. had to do with different varieties were either yeah. they claimed stone. Well, I mean, no, that's they are true. stone varieties. That's yeah. true. So the half of the season, those varieties, those varieties are, are clingstone. Oh, so there's no but freestone there's, peaches. No, before. I mean not. A, no, uh-uh. no, no. Interesting. And it's just the way. Maybe it's the cold hours. Right. But that flesh of that peach uh, is like clinging to the pit, right? right? And then come mid June and on, uh, like the harvester variety really introduces us to the freestones and from there on out once you have a harvester on they will all be freestone um now the harvester like if it's if it's a little firmer if it's not super conditioned and you slice it it might still cling a little so then you have this whole middle uh, (laughs) so there's this whole progression but yeah they just all the varieties in that may to mid-june are cling and then they all turn to freestone and freestone is what you see on the cover of the book it right. separates beautifully from the pit and you're, you're able to see it so right. yeah a little peach the, education <laughs> the, the cling stone i guess are they're a little messier to eat because you're kind of having to suck them you're de- yeah you're yeah. dealing with the pit a little bit yeah. more they're oh. definitely not what you would like can with necessarily right. um you definitely want to wait i mean and that makes sense like towards the end of the season you're like okay i'm ready to right. stock up this is my <laughs> yeah. time to preserve this yeah. for the winter um yeah, that you're able to get the whole bit of the peach um, with those free stones. But, uh, yeah, early on, just eat them. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm someone who likes to not waste anything in food. Right. So tell, what what are some things you can do with the pits rather than just throw them in the compost? Ooh, what could you do with the pits? My mother-in-law has given me um, pits with angels. <laughs> she, made... she, like, makes an angel oh, and that's put it on cool. your Christmas tree. Nice. Um, Gosh, I... I've heard of people cooking the pits. We've never done anything, and there's nothing uh-uh. in the book with pits. Huh. Um, but... Yeah, I want to do something with That's pits. a great question. You could plant them and hope a peach orchard grows. Right. The yeah, best that's thing a, you could yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great thing to do. Um, were there any recipes that didn't make the final cut into the cookbook that you really wish had made it in? When I was writing my book, I know, mm. you know there were a certain number of pages. And so at a certain point, there comes this moment where, like, you have this super long Word document of all the words, mm-hmm. and then it has to get fit into an actual physical book. And so there were places where I actually had to add some recipes for certain sections, but I had to get rid of some. You know, they're unfortunately, they wouldn't let us have a book full of just cocktails. So we had to pare down the cocktails quite a bit. And, Got it. Uh, you know, I, I think in the summer, peach and bourbon is just a fantastic combination it makes bourbon refreshing, yeah. um, you know. So there, there was definitely a couple cocktails that I was sad to see go, but I love the ones that that ended up in there. Um, I mean, a peach is a very versatile fruit. Like I think people always go straight to desserts with peaches, right? Um, and and for good reason. Um, it was so fun to show the you know that you can have it in dinner and breakfast and lunch and all these wonderful things. But yeah, I mean, since since choosing our hundred recipes. Yeah, I've felt like, oh, I want to do this next, and I want to do this next. Um, But my problem in the process was I feel like we took so many incredible pictures that I wanted to just have every picture in the book. (laughs) And that's where we had to, like, really do Uh hard edits. Um, But, yeah. And you guys worked with some of the restaurants that you sell to. Totally. Yeah, we as well. did. This yeah. book has like over 12 or more um, recipes from chefs in Nashville, which gives it such a celebration of Nashville. Um, it's not just not just ours, which is really fun. Sean Brock, who's an yeah. incredible, well-known guy, um, 
chef, <laughs> he uh, has his uh, cheeseburger in here, and he uses peach ketchup on it, which is really mm. fun. But this burger is insane. Like, for years, it's Stephen insane. would be trying to perfect it. And and so when Sean was like, yeah, I'll provide a recipe, I was like, can it be the cheeseburger? Because <laughs> we love it so much. Uh-huh. And he graciously said yes. So, yeah, it's like, you know... The peach uh, stuff is incredible, and then you combine it with this amazing, you know, recipes from chefs. It's incredible. So let's talk a little bit about the the actual logistics, because that really, I mean, aside from the logistics of running a family, which you guys also do, <laughs> right. getting peaches from the farm mm-hmm. to the customers in the multiple variety of ways you guys do it really is a logistics it is. Challenge, <clears throat> nightmare, uh, project, whatever you want to call it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about the tour. Right. How does the tour work? The tour starts tomorrow. Starts tomorrow in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Today is May 31st, yep. so yep. June, June 1. And um, what will happen is a truck gets loaded in Fort Valley, Georgia, heads straight to Dallas to a, uh, a dock where our truck meets it. And it goes off of the truck from the farm onto our truck. And then our truck goes to stop number one of tomorrow and shuts off and sleeps in that parking lot. And oh, so it's ready in the so morning. So it's ready in the morning. And you've got a thing with, like, number of hours that a semi-truck can be moving in a day. So that way we're not counting any hours until after the first God. stop. That's a pretty good move, right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so they sell out of the back of the truck to hopefully hundreds of people in line in Dallas. We'll see. We've never been there before. And um, and then we go to the next stop, and we've got two teams going at the same time, and so we hit six stops a day. So basically, you guys have put it's essentially like a rock and roll tour for peaches. it. Kind of is. It it's is. literally I mean, like a miniature peach festival in parking lots across eight different states. But, but not just any parking <laughs> lots. Like we we really try and. Uh, work alongside with like family owned garden centers you know not trying to do like totally we're not in the big box stores we're no or or just a random parking lot like we're connected with people and uh businesses like uh, ohio is a great state that we've been in for quite a few years now and um you know the the owners of these stores will be like man it's the peach bump like you guys come you're only in our parking lot for an hour and a half and it's packed it's mayhem um, but we move really fast. Like, people are always surprised. Like, I saw the line. I was dreading it. And I was in and out with my five boxes in no time. And these stores get just, like, a massive influx of people in their, in their you know, place in the middle of summer, which can be a challenging yeah, time to, like, have sure. good sales. So it's been such a cool a thing to, win-win. like, yeah, support them and local small businesses while also, like, being able to, you know, do our thing. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. It literally is like six times a day, like these mini blasts. If you watch on Instagram, last year was so funny. I feel like there were so many husbands. Like my wife told me to go get peaches, and now I'm in this <laughs> line. And like he's this guy's like his Bono at the front yeah, of he's this. Yeah, like, at the front of this line. And it's just amazing. Uh-huh. So it really you're kind of like, what am I a part of right now? It's so it's fun. Are you ever gonna bring the tour to New York? We, you know what? In 2014, we came to New York and we did Smorgasburg. Oh, sure. And yep. um, a couple places over at Carroll Gardens. Uh-huh. We were at Chelsea Market. It was great. Um, what is interesting about New York is that y'all don't have cars. And uh, yeah. people are like, what do you want me to do with this paper bag of peaches all day? 
Um, right. Yes. <laughs> New Yorkers are used to buying in much smaller. Right, right. They're right. not buying a half a bushel yeah, box. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it was great. And we still um, have, you know, lots of um, people from that year who are like, when are you coming back to New York? Which yeah. is very flattering. We ship nationwide from our website, and that's usually the best way for New Yorkers. We probably will come to upstate New York next year, though, oh, on our neat. tour. You know, we're in Pittsburgh and Cleveland. It's kind yeah. of a, yeah. you know, a jump over to Buffalo. If you guys want to run up, run up to Rhode Island, I got connections up oh, there. Oh, that's awesome. Fun. I love that. Providence would be really, would probably love it. Yes, totally. Totally. That's that awesome. It would be incredible. Um, yeah, so... We, but then you know, for the book though, we'll be in Tribeca at Barnes and Noble for the, for our first book tour event, which is or our second book tour event, right? I'm not sure, but it yeah, is, right? <laughs> okay. you don't have your calendar out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, like, hold you to, I'm just the first one today. is at Parnassus Books in I Nashville. I know what's happening today. Oh, yeah. Parnassus Books is a great store. It's Isn't amazing. It great? Uh, it's yeah, amazing. I haven't been in Nashville in a very long time, but I remember going to Parnassus Books. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, we're so happy to have them in our backyard. Absolutely. This episode was brought to you by 100 Bogart, a new building in Bushwick, Brooklyn, with meeting and event spaces available for on-demand booking. Looking for the next perfect outdoor location for your next gathering? Host your next event at 100 Bogart's impressive rooftop, just steps away from the Morgan L stop. It's one of the largest and tallest roof spaces in Bushwick, boasting 360-degree views of Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Queens. 100 Bogart's Rooftop is available for your next networking event, fundraiser, special performance, or photo shoot. There's approximately 5,000 square feet, ample space for up to 100 guests. For more information on hosting an event at 100 Bogart's Rooftop, email info at 100bogart.com or call 718-362-3539. This is Harry Rosenblum, host of Feast Your Ears on Heritage Radio Network. I've been a part of the HRN community for the last 10 years, and even after all that time, I'm constantly inspired by the incredible voices on our network. Each week, I record my show in the recycled shipping containers that make up the HRN studio, because I'm excited to bring you, our listeners, the fascinating stories of my guests. All of us here at HRN are on the air because we love it. This year, HRN is celebrating its 10th anniversary. Can you believe that? 10 years. But we need your support to keep food radio going strong for the next decade. Join the HRN community today by becoming a member. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate right now. You can even show some love for my show by selecting Feast Your Ears in the designation drop-down menu. Thanks so much for listening to HRN. So tell me about the actual, the, the original peach truck. Right. Like, do you think you'll ever build up, like, are, do, are you keeping an eye out for old Jeep Gladiators? Like, do you want to build up and have more than one so you can have them at these events? You know, the one baby, I, I joke that I'm on our mechanic's Christmas card list, which is not a good sign. You know, I, I get that get that magnet calendar from old Greg every year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, the one truck is plenty. Um, we do, you know, kind of farmer's market booths yeah. around Nashville, and the truck will make appearances at at random places, which is always exciting. But cool. um, overall, the one Jeep Gladiator is plenty yeah. for a person who has no idea how to fix anything. You know, it's <laughs> it's going to Greg's Auto yeah. if anything isn't going right. So and how did you get the truck originally? 
So oh, man, that yeah. was so we were dating still yeah. and his car was falling apart. It was like dripping something on my shoes every time I that was, was in cool. the past. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I was like, my shoes are being ruined. I couldn't shut the door. Anyways, I thought you should get a truck and he's like, I want a Jeep. I'm like, you're so impractical, Stephen, and I'm all like, practical, let's get a truck that'll help me move into your house one day or something. <laughs> um, and so he gets on, I think it was just Craigslist, yeah. right? And it's like, I saw, I found a cool car. Well, it's the, it's the 64, it's like an antique truck. And at the time, I'm commuting a half hour to work, you know. It's... Yeah, it's not 45 <laughs> minutes. It was crazy. So we go and meet this guy. He's just desperate to get rid of this 64 Jeep Gladiator. Um, because he's getting, he's got, he's kids. got kids and he yeah. can't have them in this truck and they literally swap vehicles. He had a, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it is a silly, like the guy, you've never seen a guy's it. eyes light up more than I was like, you know, I, cause he was asking too much and I'm like, I've got this Ford Thunderbird and he's like, I love Thunderbirds. It was a 95 Ford Thunder, not a cool car. Right, right, right. Very right, uncool right. car. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, the AC and the door doesn't really... He's like, I love it. I always love the the dashboards in a Ford Thunderbird. So we swapped. You just traded straight away. We straight up traded. And it crazy. Um, I know. I, I actually I came across a phone number that was like the name Jeep in my uh, contacts the other oh, day. Yeah. And I texted I'm like, did I buy a Gladiator from you? And it wasn't him. I'd love to find the guy to let him know. Like, Right. They look at where this, look where yeah. the Gladiator is going. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Send him yeah. a book. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He would be really dumbfounded. Like, uh, your, your Thunderbird broke on me like three weeks later, probably. Poor guy. That was crazy. Wow. That's, that's a great story. I've driven uh, antique cars my whole life. And oh, that's awesome. They're really fun. Uh, fun to drive. But I feel like fewer and fewer people have the... I don't know, have the, the kind of like the willingness for, uh, I don't know what to call it. Adventure breakdown. Yes, yeah. Triple yeah. A towing. I don't know. Like, you know, there's something wonderful about driving an old vehicle and the way that it feels to drive it and yes. the way you feel driving it. And the, you know, people love seeing it, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing for the unknown. Right. right. You have to be a little bit up for the unknown. Oh yeah. And I love that. I love the unknown. I, you know, I grew up with, it wasn't antique cars, but always breaking down in my family's cars, <laughs> running out of gas. Yeah. You know, it yeah. didn't doesn't bother me to be stranded on the side of the road. Right. Um, and yeah, you're totally right. On a spring or fall day when the weather's perfect and the windows are down, you're like, there's no place I'd rather be than in this truck. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Totally. It is fun. So I noticed on your site that you guys can't ship to California, Arizona, Hawaii, and Alaska. Right. Now, Hawaii and Alaska makes sense because they're really far away. Exactly. Peaches won't make it on time. Mm-hmm. Why not California and Arizona? They have their own agricultural laws that prevent oh, us from shipping in state. Like tariffs. Like tariffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they will not let... You know, uh, yeah, even if you drive into California from, like, Nevada, they've got the agricultural stop, you know, to make oh, sure. sure. That yeah, I forgot about they, that. They don't let that out-of-state produce. And they grow so much there, and they're fine. So, yeah, but um, they ship all of it out, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're yeah. putting it on us. Yeah. I mean, the California peaches, I'm sure, are showing up in Nashville. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? Sure oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's totally, it's just one of those things that we have no idea why, but we huh. follow the law. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so, uh, you know, I, I talk on almost every episode of Feast Your Ears about the pre-show questionnaire that I sent. Oh, I, I loved it, too. We were talking about it on the flight so up. Good. So you guys both said a great place to sit is the same chair. <laughs> that's so oh, I'm that's curious funny. to know how that works out in your house if you both <laughs> like to sit in. Because my wife and I, were sitting in my apartment right now. Yeah. We each have a chair, oh, and then we have a couch, good. and we you know, shift yeah. around. But really, like, the one chair is hers, and the one chair is mine. Yeah. Just sort of how it works out. So how do you guys, yeah. like, deal with who gets to? Is it like, that's a really good you question. call dibs? Like, We've never run into that as, as a problem, but... I mean, I'm upset when I don't get to sit oh, there. Are? I'm not upset. <laughs> I'm just uncomfortable. This is good. This is helpful. This is therapy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so it's you just... Feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's the most comfortable chair. And it was your grandfather's. It was my grandfather's, yeah. yeah I have, yeah. you know, pictures of me and him. I mean, it's just like the best memories of that chair for whatever reason. Um... It's gotten sentimental for me because having had twins, like right. these cute little like uh, rockers and nurseries that you see online, I'm like, I need something bigger. <laughs> yeah, I need something right. like legit. And this, the armrest, arm yeah. you like can so, you just like, oh, you're so relaxed in it. You can flip up that like, it's a lazy boy recliner. Yeah, you just, and <laughs> yeah there's I mean, nothing classic. It's no, like no, a cheese lazy boy. I mean, boy. I, I recovered it and it's really <laughs> cute now. But, uh, it, it literally, I don't know what I would have done without that chair when we were, like, having those kids. Like, just falling asleep, holding one or both of them in the middle of the night. Like, it would have never worked. Right. So, it's a precious chair. Our kids love it. I still, I can get all three of them on my lap <laughs> reading a book still. Nice. They're getting bigger. But, yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's funny. We did. We both yeah. wrote that. Yeah, you guys both wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jessica, you grew up in Washington State. I did, yeah. So, I mean, apples are... Apples. You know, a big deal out there. Now yes. now grapes and wine sort of more recently. It's true, yeah. Um, but, you know, you mentioned that your family had annual cider presses. So uh-huh. you guys made cider as a, yeah. when you were a kid? We did every every fall, like towards the end of October. I mean, they still um, do. Yeah, still do. My parents and my brothers, I have three brothers, have like really kept it going, which is so much fun. But, yeah, this old oak barrel and I mean just memories in my Uncle Matt's garage like all the aunts and cousins are cutting apples and you're spinning and every aunt brought a pot of soup and there were sandwiches and it was just like this incredible I mean fruit was always in my upbringing which is really funny that we do what we do here Mm -hmm. but like I would ride my bike all over the town I grew up in and me and my brother Tim would I mean, stop and pick blackberries. Like, that was our snack. And, and, and put them in our bucket and take them home and make a pie. And, I mean, apples and cherries, climbing all the cherry trees. I mean, just fruit was, I was, it was available. I was always yeah. around it. And um, and then drinking that apple cider, like, at Thanksgiving, you know, pulling it out of the freezer and enjoying it. And you know that you put a lot of work into it. It's right. amazing. So, yeah. yeah, it's just great. It's so fun. Do you guys think that you would ever expand the peach truck business to, I mean, you sell Georgia pecans as well. Right. We do. Um, do you think you would ever expand into other fruits in a similar distribution model? You know, obviously the audience is there and we've built a lot of trust with the peaches. It, it would really take something special that we haven't seen yet because... Mm. I mean, there's nothing quite like a peach that elicits such a strong reaction sure. and people have such fond memories of. Um, 
Right, and seems to have all of the things you talked about already about needing to get to the customer within a certain right. amount of time and can't be. I mean, like Apple's, yeah. it already exists, right? Yeah. Exactly. Where people are aware of varieties. There's mm-hmm. lots of heirloom. There's tons of research. Cornell you University has hundreds of varieties, yeah. and they store them under nitrogen, and they store really well. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, you can get a really good apple, not as good as like, but you can get a really good apple now mm-hmm. when they're none ripe. Absolutely. Today, in you know almost anywhere, better probably in New York and Washington where they're sure. grown, but. It's fine, but you can't get a peach today that really came off of a tree last year. No, 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 no. <laughs> no exactly, and that that logistics uh, has completely been our success because of our singular focus. Um, but yeah, I mean, we would never say never because I never thought I would be doing this. So sure. like, let's just take a pause. <laughs> but I mean, it's something we're always looking to for a challenge and to expand and for other things. I mean, we work with nature and. Uh, two years ago, we had 90% crop loss for our season. So it's an wow. amazing, like, you just, you live with, like, open hands, like, grateful for whatever Mother Nature brings us each year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. But as of as of now, we're very much just peach focused. <clears throat> and we feel like there's so much, like, the cookbook is the start of this. But, you know, going deeper on the peach, there's so much more. We have three flavors of jam that we sell year-round. We're coming out with a hot sauce and a salsa and you know there's like there's so much more for the peach to do year round yeah. mm-hmm. in this kind of pantry area that we're calling sure. it um that we feel like let's let's you know see how deep we can go on this love affair and then right and then go well and those value-added products are a great way to use peaches i mean even though you are selling peaches that aren't traditionally beautiful right they're still within that or peaches that get damaged or get over oh and things yeah. like that and Nothing there's all kinds ways, of value yeah. add that you can do right with that. yeah none every peach that we get is used in some way like there's zero waste because like you i um i think i was pretty sick over that maybe our first two summers just seeing any peach like yeah turn to rot and be like what did what did we do wrong and right so making those logistical corrections so that yeah there's we can't have waste everything can be used it's great awesome well thank you guys so much for sitting down to chat today um people should look at the peachtruck.com to pre-order the book order peaches delivered or if you are in what are the states if you're in texas, texas florida tennessee kentucky ohio indiana pennsylvania and michigan then you should look at thepeachtruck.com and check out the tour, you got which it. starts tomorrow, June 1st, and goes until... Until August 1st. August 1st. Yeah, and there's a great all locations page. Actually, it just says locations. You can put in your zip code to see if we come near you and the date and time of that. Awesome. And uh, you guys are on social media at The Peach Truck. You got it. Rad, thanks so much. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks for listening to Feast Your Ears today. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org, on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to rate and review the show, and please reach out to me if you have any questions. You can reach me, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place 
and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.